0: We've been reading the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus is teaching us how to build our lives his way. We talked about judgment last week and how we are not the judge. Praise the Lord. Anybody with me this morning? Praise God that we are not the judge. We have a just God who will judge us at the end of our life and that is important as we look at this last part of the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to be looking at four scenes today. Four different illustrations that Jesus uses. And it's really cool when I think about how Jesus is closing this out because he's giving us four things that are absolutely true. And he's comparing them to something that is false. If you know me, you know that I'm not very comfortable with absolute statements. They really do make me, ooh, because I don't ever wanna come off as someone that thinks that there's something they're not, you know what I mean? And so sometimes, anyway, that, that, that bothers me, but here's the beauty of what Jesus is about to teach us. He is the creator, the Lord, the one who was and is and is to come. He is the only one with the authority to tell us what is absolutely true. And in our world right now, we need to know what is true. And we need to be aware of these lies that hit us, whether we are a freshman in high school or whether we're about to graduate from this earth. We need to know the truth because the truth sets us free. We're going to look at a lot of the things, true, false. So anybody here prefer true/false questions over like multiple choice in high school or college? Anybody, true or false? More black and white. I know you're up in here, black and white people. You know this or that. Some of us maybe prefer short answers. You like to really explain more, more space to just, you know what I mean, explain and in nuance arguments and things like this. Well, I have some things wherever we are. Some questions, true or false questions to get us into this mode. So, I want, you to, I want your participation here, so don't be, don't be shy. True or false? A is the most common letter used in the English language. True or false? Wow, ah, we're very smart. I hear some true, true at the end. False. E is the most common letter, and it makes up about 11% of the English language. Aren't you glad you came this morning? True or false? Coffee is made from berries. True or false? True. We got some snobs in here. True, not beans. When coffee berries turn from green to bright red in color, this indicates ripeness and they are picked, processed, and dried before roasted and turned into coffee. There you go. True or false, a lion's roar can be heard up to five miles away. I know, you were dying to know. True or false? That is true. I think of oslo Anybody else? Okay. True or false, Monaco is the smallest country in the world. There you go. Yeah, false. Vatican City is. Only uh, that big. 0.2 square miles. True or false? Texas is the biggest American state. Ah, wow. Okay. It is false. Yes. Alaska. But it is the biggest state in my heart. Anybody else? Come on. Come on. Come on. So, yeah, that's Texas and Alaska. It doesn't make me feel very good. This next picture makes me feel real good. That's Texas and Europe. It eats up, like, half the continent, so... There you go. I told my German friend one day, I said, you know, uh, Texas is twice the size of Germany. She was asking because when she went to New York, she goes, hey, I'll just come down and see you. I was like, well, we won't be able to drive. There's no train. The train takes like eight years, Amtrak. Anyway, true or false, Austin's only professional sports team won their first ever game last night. Hey, I got some fans in the house. This is for education. We have a soccer team. They're Austin FC. We got to get behind them. You know what I mean? Anybody else? That's more for me than for you. Thank you for your patience. True or false, it's getting us in this mode of knowing what is true and knowing what is not true, knowing what is false. We just talked about judgment, how to speak truth in love. Our culture doesn't know how to do that. Our culture says that if you're not loving someone, then that's not speaking truth. You can't both disagree with someone and also love them. That's what our culture, that's what our world is saying to us right now. But Jesus here is saying, no, I love you so much that you need to know what is true. We're going to be looking at the way, the one and only way. We're going to be looking at our influences. What is a true and false uh, basis on what our, who our influences are. And then this form of discipleship, that's the third illustration. And then the fourth is how to build our home. And so let's start in verse 13 of Matthew chapter 7. Jesus is speaking, and he says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. This is a hard truth statement that is absolutely true, and here's why. Jesus is the only way. The false statement that is out there, the lie, is that following Jesus is narrow-minded, exclusive, and leads to a dull life. You ever heard this? Maybe have you ever believed this? Maybe you're here this morning, and this is where you are. you're not convinced. It's too exclusive for me. I don't understand. What do you mean that not every way points to God? What do you mean that innocent people can go to hell? What does that mean? Here's what this means: that God sent His Son Jesus on Earth, not to condemn anyone, but to rescue everyone. He came to save us from our sin. And that makes Jesus the most inclusive message ever proclaimed in the history of mankind. That's what makes it so true. It doesn't exclude anybody. But when you accept Jesus into your life, then you're saying yes to the blood that he shed for you and for me. And that means that your life now has been purchased with a price and it is no longer yours. You now have a master and that master, his name is Jesus. And Jesus wants the best for you and for me. And so the truth statement is that following Jesus exclusively is the most inclusive way and the only way to abundant and everlasting life. Maybe you're in that season where you're wrestling with this and you're questioning, well, I I don't understand. Well, I don't know. Well, what if, and I don't wanna be seen as someone that excludes others. I encourage you this morning to make Jesus your main priority and be okay, not worrying about having it all figured out, having all of the answers Because I certainly don't. And you don't have to either. When we surrender our life to God, he gives us this abundant life. And he shows us that putting him as our priority is the best thing that we could do. Yes, it's a narrow way. Not everybody finds it. It's hard. It says so right there. We put that scripture back up, verse uh, 14. The gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Jesus never said it would be easy. It's hard, but it is good and it is so worth it. He fills us with abundant life. The other way, the false way is, is the gate, the gate is wide. That means that it's convenient. It's comfortable. And, and there's a lot of room for, you know, a lot of different iterations of how to do life. But there's something beautiful. I don't know if you agree with me on this. There's something beautiful about just surrendering and submitting your life to somebody else. When I said yes to my wife, I gave my life over to her. I didn't say, hey, you're the only one for me, my soulmate, all of this. I said, I choose to commit my entire life to you. And no matter what happens in this life, sickness or in health, I'm committed to you. That's the same thing that we do when we give our life to God. We're saying, yes, stuff is gonna happen in this life, but we are committing our lives to Jesus, saying he is our main priority. And that is the way that leads to life. That's the first scene. Here's the second scene. Verse 15. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them What voices are we listening to? What teachers are we coming under? Who's influencing our decisions? There's a lot of teachers. There's a lot of influencers out there. And I want to call out two false teachers that say this. False way is to live productively just to take care of looking good on the outside. So to live a productive life it means just taking care of looking good on the outside. It's like the the they look like sheep, but inside they're actually ravenous wolves. Here are two false teachings. I'm not calling any one teacher out. I'm calling out these teachings that I think envelop a lot of teachers in our culture. On one end of the spectrum, we have relativism. And relativism teaches that there's many, many ways. There's your truth, and, and there's my truth. And what happens is that when your truth and my truth don't, you know, go, then then who goes up? Well, it's the one who's smarter, the one who has the better argument. Here's a here's a, 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 a quote from one of my favorite authors and pastors. His name is Tim Keller. He says that it is no more narrow to claim that one religion is right than to claim that one way to think about all religions, namely that all are equal, is right. We are all exclusive in our beliefs about religion, but in different ways. So what Keller is getting at is that whenever we say that there's many ways, that's relativism, there's many different ways to God, they're saying that, well, your way is not the only way, or you say that your way is the only way, and therefore it doesn't fit my way. Well, there's two ways, do you see? And so one will be over the other in any given side of the argument. That's relativism. It just doesn't add up. And when we follow Jesus again, we have the ability to say, yeah, I don't understand it all. I don't have all of the answers, but I submitted my life to Jesus Christ. And as you and I submit our lives to the Lord, he will bring a lot of those answers and he will show us why, why his way is the best way. So just look good on the outside. Well, that's more so with this other side. And this other side is legalism. And legalism is proving to others how close you are to God by the way that you live externally. It's proving to God also that you can do things to earn his love. And legalism is a trap because there's absolutely nothing that we can do to earn God's love. It's a free gift of grace. Once we receive it, then everything changes. We don't need to change anything in order to receive it. Amen? That is a, a, a false teacher that entraps us when it influences us. And how do we know this? Well, just look at the fruit. We're not looking at external fruit. We're looking at internal fruit. In the Sermon on the Mount, we learned that Jesus is looking for people that are living inside-out lives. And so healthy influence does this. A healthy influence is practice inside-out living, and their actions produce fruits that impact others' For good. Luke 6, 45 says that a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. And those that we surround ourselves do influence us, whether we want them to or not. So who are you surrounding yourself with? Are they a healthy influence? And are you empowering others to live in a healthy way that leads them to Jesus? Third scene, verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then... I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lotlessness. So when I read this, the first thing that points out is like, wait, you just said prove, they'll prove by their fruit. I don't know what's more fruitful than casting out demons. If you're, you know, a, a Christian and you believe in Jesus and there's someone that is demon possessed and you pray and then the demon goes out, which absolutely happens and is absolutely real, Demons take a lot of different shapes and forms. I would say that that person is pretty close to God. Anybody else think that? What Jesus is saying here is not that it's not about uh, doing amazing, miraculous works in the name of Jesus. He's not saying that at all. He's saying that something must precede that that is way more important because the false lie here is that I have to prove to others that I know Jesus through my external actions. And what Jesus is saying, those that do amazing things in my name, but don't really know me, will not enter because I'm not in this for you to do. I'm in this for you to be with me, says Jesus. It's about relationship. So the third point is God is personal. Jesus wants us to have a personal relationship with with him. He wants authentic disciples. This is the truth statement. Authentic disciples that personally know Jesus internally. Love to hear from someone, someone that you look up to that you've never met. Someone that you've looked up to that you've never met. Someone, yell it out loud. Someone that you've looked up to and you've never met. Someone's got one. I know you look up to people. Chuck Norris. Norris. Perfect. Thank you. That was not planned. (laughs) Chuck Norris is a man of mans. He is a fighter. He is a brave dude, and he can do all things, right? Maybe there's Jesus, and then there's Chuck Norris in our culture, at least in Texas. So do you know all about Chuck Norris? Maybe if you read Wikipedia or you look up his movies, you'll find things out about Chuck Norris. But if you met Chuck Norris in person, would he say that he knew you? No. Because he knows that even though you know all about him, you don't actually know him. It's the same thing with Jesus. Same thing that he's saying through to us in this passage. There's a difference between having all this information and knowing about God than actually knowing God personally. And here's the difference. You know how you and I do that, we're just real. We're just honest with him about where we are. This world needs authentic disciples of Jesus Christ. Not people that are concerned about knowing all the right answers, but people that are concerned about just being real. That's who Jesus is wanting us to be when we approach him. Authentic disciples that personally know Jesus internally and so question for you is, are you authentic? Am I authentic and honest with where I am with Jesus? He brings it home, talking about home in verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine, all over 2,000 words that Jesus just spoke, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Jesus is speaking on this mount over in Galilee. He's he's overlooking, you know, all the Galilee area. The Sea of Galilee is right by there. He's a carpenter. He knows, like many of us in the room know, that are builders. If you get the foundation wrong, you have a big problem. It takes a lot to redo a foundation. And so Jesus is bringing the Sermon on the Mount home by talking about building on a firm foundation. Here's what happened. There was sifting sands in the Sea of Galilee. And so when people built their house on the soil, normally they would just build shallow foundations thinking, oh, the the floodwaters will never come. Well, those that were experienced, those that knew a thing or two, understood that when winter rains came, the Jordan River was going to overflow. And that little shallow Foundation was not going to withstand the storm. And so what they would do is they drilled 10 feet deep until they hit bedrock. Can you imagine if we had that type of soft soil in the hill country? Over here, you dig two inches and you're rock solid. 10 feet deep until they hit foundation. That's a deep faith that is established. A lot of time. A lot of heartache. Jesus is telling us the storms of life will come. It's not saying if you believe in Jesus, then everything will be great. He'll give you a get out of jail and get out of all trouble here on earth card. No, he says that in this world we will have trouble. So take heart for I, Jesus, has overcome the world so Let's build our foundation on the bedrock that is Jesus Christ. That means that it's going to take hard work. But here's what happens when we do the work and don't take the easy way out. There's purpose for all of that hard work. Because when the storms of life hit, we now understand the purpose of our faith which is not just to swim through life and then get to heaven and say, praise God, I made it. No, he's calling us to thrive and live abundant lives this side of heaven and tell everyone that we know, hey, this happened to me, but God filled me with such hope. But God gave me faith that overcame my circumstances. It may have not changed my circumstance, but my mind is focused on my eternal reality that is gonna come when I'm with him forever. That's the type of people he's calling us to live. And that's the type of foundation that he's asking us to have. And so there's four points here that I wanna summarize as we've talked through these things. There's uh, making Jesus my priority leads to abundant and everlasting life. Healthy influences live productive inside out lives that bear good fruit. Authentic disciples personally know Jesus internally and wise builders purposefully build on the firm foundation because they know that the storms are coming. Jesus is giving us some incredible truth to build our lives on. And this is how it ends. I have one point in worship band. You can come back up. Verse 28, and when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. The two words that I want to talk about here is astonished and authority. You and I can leave here, maybe the way that we leave after God does something amazing in our life, we could be, wow, God, you did that. Amazing. But what happens the next day? or What happens a week from that amazing moment with the Lord. He came, overcame something amazing. He showed you something fresh and new. We forget, don't we? That's our sinful nature. That's this wandering mind. That's who we are in these fleshly, earthly bodies that were given on loan. But the second word here, and I don't want us to miss this, is authority. That authority speaks to the last point, and that is powerful. It gives us Power in every circumstance of life. 1 Corinthians 4.20 says that for the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It is living by God's power. This morning when we were coming in, Pastor Bob was hype. He was pumped. He was talking about being in the zone. Have you ever been in the zone athletically or maybe academically where you just know you're you're doing what you're what you need to do in order to succeed I think Jesus right here gives us the secret to power do you want to know what it is it's easy and all of us are capable of doing it it's surrender it's surrendering to Jesus and resting in his presence it's called abiding in Christ, and allowing him to lead you through whatever circumstance you are dealing with. Here's the deal. A few years back, I had a conversation with a young person. He was baptized as a sixth grader right out here. And he was going through a pretty rough time in his life. He was on the Broadway. And again, I'm not one for absolutes. But I had a hard conversation with him and I told him, I love you. And I need to tell you that this road that you're going on doesn't want to just nudge you aside or or make you trip and fall for a little bit. This road that you are on wants to lead you to death. And there's another way. You can turn and follow Jesus who gave your life for you and for me and see what an abundant and everlasting life looks like. It's not too late. I wish I could tell you that he heard those words, but he didn't. And in his memorial service, I shared those same very words because they held true then and they're true today for me and for you, there is this broad way of destruction. There, are, there is this enemy in this world that wants to take away the very thing that Jesus has given us, which is everlasting life. And we in this room have an opportunity to make him our priority, to surround ourselves with those that influence us to, towards productive lives that bear good fruit in Jesus' name. And we just can be personal with God and be real and then build our lives firm on the foundation, which gives purpose to those seasons of storm and chaos. When we do that, we see his name glorified through every season of our life. So I wanna speak to you this morning if you're in that crossroads right now. And I just wanna tell you, because I have love in you, in my heart for you, that Jesus is the best thing that could ever happen to you. If you haven't made that decision, allow today to be the day and surrender to him and allow him to be your savior, your rescuer from the things of this world and your redeemer forever. There's no better decision that you and I could make. Let's pray together.